started by singing some praises to our awesome God.
Jesus sure makes your heart feel happy. We'll do some more singing in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. I am the most beautiful of all created things. I am all wise, intelligent, and cunning. There is none like unto me. Oh, for once you speak truth, Beelzebub, there is none like unto you. You're the father of all liars. I am the prince of this world. In giving Adam dominion of this world, God made him prince of the world. When Adam disobeyed God's command and obeyed me, he turned over to me that princehood. In return, I gave to Adam and Eve my nature. Your beautiful, sweet, kind nature. They became my subjects. I am their sovereign. The earth is my empire. All peoples obey me. Not all, my dear Beelzebub. Many people throughout the centuries have had within them a power able to withstand your so-called dominion. I wish I could deny that. But there is a power at work against me. It is because of this power that I have had to misrepresent God and misinterpret the rites and ceremonies that pointed toward a savior. I personally have led many people to fear God as one who delights in their destruction. All of you, my fellow evil ones, have helped excite the passions of men in order to fasten my rule upon them. But it is I who have looked over the shoulder of the prophets as they wrote of a coming Messiah. I have studied and restudied these prophecies, and I am sure that Jesus, the babe born in Bethlehem, came into this world to dispute my claim to dominion of the world. Uh, but why did the Son of God, so adored and beloved in heaven, give all that up and come down here as a lowly man? I can't understand it. It fills me with amazement and fear. We must stop Jesus, overcome him. But how? We have already tried almost everything. All methods have failed. To decide upon a sure course of action is the reason for this council. The issues at stake are too great to trust to anyone but myself. I shall personally conduct this warfare. We must either conquer or be conquered. Now is the time, and I shall conquer. <laughs> How many times have I heard that? <laughs> all our energies, all the weapons of hell, will we use against this Jesus. We will conquer. We have got to, or all is lost. All is lost anyway. What do you mean by that? Exactly what I said. Evidently, you do not trust me. Trust you? <laughs> I trusted you when you first came to me in heaven with your lies about God, your wild scheme of changing God's laws and taking over the rule of heaven and the universe. And look what it's gotten me. You forget, my dear lieutenant, 
that I have won every battle on this earth from Adam down to the present time. What makes you think I can't get this Jesus to yield to me as others have? Because Jesus is the Son of God. He is divine with powers to resist you. <sighs> but there you are mistaken. Tis true that he is the Son of God. But it is also true that he is endowed with no more power than any human being has or can have if he so desires. Another of your disarming lies. Lies, no. For once I speak truth. The scriptures teach that Jesus is born of man. I overcame Adam. And he had come directly from the hand of God, not as yet defiled by my... <laughs> by, by sin. Adam stood in the strength of perfect manhood, possessing the full vigor of mind and body. Not so with this Jesus. For 4,000 years, man has decreased in physical strength, in mental power. All a result of your mad desire for power, your pride, <laughs> your lies. <laughs> of course. And Jesus has taken upon himself the weakness of humanity that I have brought upon them. He will be easy to overcome. All I need to do is tempt Jesus to obey me in just one point. Then I will have won the conquest. <laughs> but, but what if Jesus lives a, a sinless life? If we cannot tempt him to yield, what then? Will we die? God will destroy us. Yes. When? If Jesus obeys God in all things, not once yielding to my voice, then we and all my followers, all who have sin written in their hearts, will be destroyed. Therefore, we have got to win. Do you understand? Uh, well, I, I suppose you have some diabolical, elaborate scheme to make Jesus fall prey to your... Cunningness? A very simple plan. I shall use the same method I used with Adam and Eve. First, appetite. If that fails, then the love of the world. If that fails, I still have the greatest of all temptation to lure him into sin. Self. Glorification. Pride. Mm, sounds reasonable. But then, so do all your lies. Ah, think so. Well, let me tell you something. I just witnessed John baptizing Jesus. And as he came out of the water, Jesus knelt and prayed. Suddenly, I saw his expression and attitude change. Suddenly... He realized that upon his shoulders rested the sins of the entire world. That upon him depended salvation from me. <laughs> I think I saw in his bearing the realization that he cannot resist me. That 
that in his present human frail body and mind, I am stronger than he. I think he knows that I shall win this conflict. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, Jesus disappeared from the multitudes at the baptism by the Jordan. He sneaked away into the wilderness. Purposely, I suppose, so you could tempt him. (laughs) And he could resist proving that he is stronger than you, that you are not his master. I think he went to be alone, to meditate upon his mission here on Earth. Knowing, as I do, the thoughts and habits of those who do this sort of thing, I am sure that Jesus will also fast and pray. Fast! (laughs) That means he'll get hungry. And then... (laughs) Then I'll tempt him on appetite, as I did Eve, successfully. (laughs) And so, Father, be with me. Guide me, strengthen me, help me always to do thy will. Give me the wisdom to lead thy people into paths of righteousness for thy sake. Amen. God has heard thy prayer, and I am come with a message of encouragement and help. Thy fast is at an end. You may now eat to thy fill and enjoyment. As God sent an angel to stay the hand of Abraham from offering Isaac, he now sends me to deliver thee from the pangs of hunger. Thou art faint from hunger, craving for food. Eat! May I remind you that one of the most powerful of angels has been banished from heaven? Thou art aware of this, I am sure. Thy appearance here, together with the circumstances of thy birth, childhood, and early manhood, would indicate that thou art this fallen, banished angel, now forsaken by God and deserted by men. A divine being, though banished from heaven, would be able to sustain his claim by performing a miracle. So I say unto you, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread, then eat of it and live well. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. continue the Bible story tomorrow, and if you would like to have these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye.
and girls. This is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Today's story is One Friendly Voice. Ken stirred the bubbling cereal while Marianne kept whining, When's my cereal going to be ready, Kenny? In a minute, Marianne, what can I get for you, Mom? Ken looked at his mother, where she lay on the sofa. Her black eyes seemed too large for her small white face. It seemed unusual to have Mom so quiet. Most mornings, she was flying around getting breakfast and prodding pokey Marianne into hurrying so that she could take her to Grandma's on the way to work. Now Mom closed her eyes and said softly, Don't bother getting me anything now. I'll be hungry later. Then she began coughing again. The doctor had called it severe bronchitis and said Mom needed a rest. Ken set the cereal on the table and gave it a final stir. He squared his broad shoulders. Somehow he would have to help Mom get well. His black eyes shone with determination. Come on, Marianne, let's eat. Then I'll have to get to school. You'll have to take care of Mom while I'm gone. Sure, I can take care of her. Marianne chattered on while Ken thought about his problems. This evening, he would have to do some laundry. He had put on his last pair of clean jeans this morning. Mom just wasn't able to rinse the clothes and hang them outdoors. He'd give a lot for a clothes dryer like Dan Jenkins' mother had, but things hadn't been easy for them since Daddy died. Mother had a good job, but a secretary didn't earn enough for such luxuries as automatic washers and dryers. Ken really didn't mind doing laundry. It wasn't such hard work. What bothered him was that some of the boys might see him outdoors hanging up the clothes. He was sure they'd think he was a sissy. Ken knew that Dan Jenkins wouldn't be caught dead helping his mother. He sighed. If word got around that he was doing women's work, he wouldn't get very many votes when the boys chose the pitcher for their softball team. Maybe he could hang the clothes indoors. But no, there wasn't enough room. One short line in the bathroom wouldn't hold more than a few of Marianne's little dresses. Ken felt tired all day. He missed five problems in math, which was his favorite subject. He struck out three times when they played softball. By the middle of the afternoon, his head was drooping and his feet dragged. When he finally got home, Mom was still lying on the sofa trying not to cough. He took her her medicine and asked, Did you eat anything at all today, Mom? Oh, yes. Mom tried to smile and look bright. Marianne fixed me two pieces of toast, and I ate them both, didn't I, Marianne? Yes, she did, the little girl nodded, but I had to scold her pretty hard or she wouldn't have. Mom, you're not getting well fast enough. When do you go back to the doctor? Ken felt bowed down with cares. In a day or so, Mom said and closed her eyes again. Well, I'll have to do some laundry. All my jeans are dirty. Where's the soap, Mom? Oh, Ken, I wish you didn't have to. I should have sent the things out to the laundry. Ken wished he'd gone looking for the soap himself. This was just one more thing for Mom to worry about. Don't worry, Mom, he said. I'm sure I can do it. I used to help you last summer, remember? Mom smiled a little. Yes, I remember you never hung out the clothes. You always preferred staying in the basement with the washing machine. I'll have to hang up clothes tonight, Ken sighed again. Then, armed with the soap and carrying a big basket full of dirty laundry, he started to the basement. Marianne tagged along, offering all sorts of helpful advice. Don't put in too much soap, Kenny. Be sure the clothes are clean, Kenny. Until Ken felt like throwing a blanket over her head. The washing part wasn't too bad. 
Ken remembered this to sort the clothing, although he did absentmindedly throw a white T-shirt in with his blue jeans. It came out a dirty blue-gray. Then Ken was ready to hang out clothes. He picked up the heavy basket and slung the clothespin bag over his shoulder. Well, here goes, he thought. I hope all the neighbors are indoors watching television or something. But Ken knew the boys usually went by his house on their way to practice softball. He would have to miss practice this afternoon. Jim Carson had said he'd stop for him, but Ken had told him not to. Jim was one of the most popular boys around. Ken had hoped someday to claim him as a friend. At the clothesline, he picked up one of Marianne's dresses and pinned it firmly. He worked fast. Several times, he looked over his shoulder to see whether someone was watching. I feel like a thief, he realized guiltily. What have I got to be ashamed of? I'm only helping my mother. But these thoughts did not keep him from jumping when he heard Dan's sing-song voice. Well, if it isn't Mommy's little boy playing housewife. Ken kept on hanging up the clothes, but he felt a tight sickness inside his stomach. And turning to face Dan, he felt even worse. With Dan were most of the boys on the softball team. Some were grinning with scorn. Jim Carson stood in the background. Playing housewife, one of them giggled. Ken felt a hard knot of disappointment form inside. He would never be a pitcher for this softball team. He stood there for a moment with his head down while a few of the boys went on making insulting remarks. Then he finished hanging up the clothes and hurried back into the basement. How was he going to live for the next few weeks while mother was ill? At the supper table, he tried to act cheerful. He thought he was putting up a pretty good front until mom said, You look tired, Ken. Why not go to bed and rest? Maybe tomorrow will be brighter. Ken sighed. Maybe mom was right. He went to bed and dreamed that he socked Dan in the jaw. In the dawn, he almost wished he really had. On the way to school, Jim Carson fell into step beside him. Ken kept his head down, waiting for Jim to tease him about yesterday. Jim cleared his throat. Mom told me that your mom is sick, he began. Ken nodded. He wished Jim would say what he wanted to and then leave him alone. Jim cleared his throat again. Ken looked up and saw that Jim's blue eyes were sober. It must be rough for you with your mom not able to work. Oh, it's not so bad, Ken's voice was gruff. Sympathy was the last thing he'd expected. I just wanted to tell you that you can bring your laundry to our house. Jim hurried on, talking so fast his words tumbled into each other. Mom said she'd help out until your mother is better. Then you'd have more time to practice, since you'll be our new pitcher. What? Had he heard correctly? The new pitcher? Ken couldn't help smiling. I'll tell my mother, he agreed. He walked faster. It would be nice to have someone else do the laundry, but right now he felt able to do anything by himself. Strange what one friendly voice could do to you. The story you've heard today was first published as part of the Vacation Bible School program in the book God's World by the Review and Herald Publishing Association and the General Conference Sabbath School Department. If you are interested in any other products published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955.
that she had. Poor widow, gave two pennies. She has nothing left when she is done. But when a rich man gives, well, there's more where that came from. Brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Live Talk Radio at livetalk.net.